Hey there, this is Kendall with the All People's Equipping Podcast. In this episode, you're going to hear an equipping that we shared with the deacons of our church at All People's Church. You're going to hear how we were equipping deacons, giving them vision for the ministry of deaconing and the local church and serving others through servant leadership. It's not the best recording. It was live audio at an event, but I think it's really going to encourage you and empower you to raise up deacons in your own ministry. Before we do that, I wanted to share some of the biblical backing for what we're talking about. The idea of deacons comes out of Acts chapter 6, when the church was multiplying and more needs were present than the early apostles could handle. It says in Acts chapter 6 in the New Living Translation, the believers rapidly multiplied. There were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. So brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit of wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. And then they chose the following, Stephen, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch. I may have butchered some of those names, but you get the idea. And then in chapter 6, verse 6, it says, These seven men were presented to the apostles who prayed for them. They laid their hands on them. They were commissioned into the ministry of deacons. And in verse 7, we see the results. God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased. That's awesome. And the qualifications for deacons we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It talks about leadership in the church and the uh, just the standards and kind of the code for Christian leadership that we see in the early church. And in verse 8, it reiterates these for deacons. It says this, In the same way, deacons must be well-respective and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, let them serve as deacons. And so there's this wonderful template for character of Christian leadership in First Timothy, really verses 1 through 12 of chapter 3. I'd encourage you to check that out. Let's hop in now to this equipping that we did on specifically raising up and expressing servant leadership through deaconing in the local church. I think it'll be impacting to you and equip you as you raise up leaders in your <laughs> serve God's people uh, through your role, and I'm sure uh, some of you, maybe a couple years ago, you'd really be surprising yourself that you're a deacon in a church, and others, maybe this has just been what you've done for years, is to serve people, and it's maybe the natural, excuse me, progression of things, but one thing I want to tell you is, you actually are more known and seen, maybe than you even expect. I... I'm actually amazed at the amount of pastors that will contact me throughout the year, and they're like, deacons, what is that? <laughs> and they always have like interesting questions like, do they vote? Or, you know, do they stand in front of the church? That's always like very odd, specific questions. And I'm like, no, like, these are deacons like we see in the Bible. And they're like, okay, you got to help me out here. Deacons in the Bible, oh, you're a pastor, but you know what? Actually, I remember that in my own journey. This isn't something that I saw in a church. Like, I remember, you know, there were some ushers at the church I grew up with, and they seemed, like, kind of important. 
you know, helped people get down the aisle, but there was no group that was really dedicated to acts of service and helping people practically in different areas of their lives. And then obviously we planted this church 15 years ago, and all of us that planted the church, we were the deacons, right? And so, you know, we were going and picking up people who were getting out of jail in the middle of the night, having people live with us, store their stuff, where we used to meet the Horace Mann back in the day when we planted the church. Uh, my particular job was I set up the children's room, which was in a middle school cafeteria. And so I had to take all these tables and they folded this way. You remember those tables? They folded like triangles and then they put, and then you kind of, and some of them had good working wheels and some didn't. And you kind of had this whole system of pushing these tables and then locking them so the kids could knock them over. And then you had to sweep the floor and then, you know, we had the kids room set up. And then of course the, the takedown after the service. And then what I would do is my wife and I, we, we didn't go to Chili's down Mission Gorge. And I'd like stare at a TV for about 45 minutes. And then I'd come back to Horace Mann. And then it was my job to take down the sign on Sunday nights that was on the fence. And I would often forget to take down that sign. And people would contact me on Monday or Tuesday. The school would let us know about the sign. So anyway, this has been an evolution, right, over many years. How can we include more people into serving and taking care of, God, care, care of God's people? And the great thing is that's actually the evolution we see in the Bible in Acts chapter 6. Number one, why were the deacons needed? There was, well, that's one reason. There was a burden on the pastors and they needed to focus to on serve. preaching and teaching. What else? To serve. To serve? Okay. What was the particular area of service that was required in Acts chapter 6? The widows. Sorry? The widows. Yeah, the widows. Yeah. Okay, so, and then, what was the context of this decision? Where, was everyone just kind of sitting around fat and happy? Oh, let's serve people. Was it a contentious time? What do you see there? Yeah, but what do you see earlier in Acts chapter 6? There was division. There was division, Right? So, you know, there's this, this multi-ethnic church, the Hellenists, they have Jews, and then there's numerous people that have needs that have been attracted to this community, and the church is trying to take care of everybody, but they just kind of use a football term, go Cowboys, by the way, finally <laughs> on the day, um, they outkick their coverage, and so now there's greater needs that the leadership has capacity to help with, right? And then what was the outcome? What happened because of this decision? Word of God. The Word of God multiplied, right? Great. So the, there was kind of a division of labor of sorts, and it allowed for the Word of God to multiply. And also, I think more people were blessed and able to be fed and taken care of. That was important too, right? And then what kind of leaders were chosen? What do you see there in Acts chapter 6? They're full of the spirit, full of faith, right? Yeah, these weren't, these weren't just, you know, people that could open a door, right? This was Philip and, and Stephen and, you know, God really looked very highly on these leaders, and actually this was an important part of their spiritual development and growth. And I want to say that about you as well, because this is an important part of your spiritual development and growth. And God's going to use this role in the church to develop you as a leader. And that brings me to my next point, which is servant leadership. 1 Timothy 3, 8-13, actually goes to kind of the leadership code of deacons. So they're talking about deacons in the church and how to raise up deacons. Right, and so this is the kind of standard that the Bible gives us for serving leadership in the local church. Like basically, keep your household in order. Be be after this to help other people, not to promote your own scheme. You know, be be others minded. You're not a party animal, just making your own choices, not thinking about your, the consequences and how they affect other people. Right, and so 
These are these thoughts on servant leadership, and this is where we actually get this word diakonos, or diakonos, however you want to pronounce it, which means servant. That's the Bible word for deacon. So here's a question, maybe one or two people can respond. What does servant leadership mean to you? Yeah, have a need, fill a need, do what needs to be done. Great, great mindset there. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Uh, there's needs before yours, for sure. Yeah, totally. I've, I think of many roles in ministry, even to this day, where I've had to have servant leadership, but one sticks to mind to me very early on in serving in the local church in Texas that I was a part of. This was post-slide projectors. You know, they printed out on a projector, but it was pre the technology we have now where all the worship songs are preloaded through the cloud. So you had to type in the words to every worship song. So I was the worship song typist. And you would be amazed at one's ability to add typos into worship songs. But I really did my best. And um, anyway, so that was an example of servant leadership in my life. And so I want to talk for a minute about this unique gift of service. Because if you're here, we've said, okay, now not only do you have these particular character callings and maybe this calling of servant leadership, we'll also see in your life, this specific, specific gift of servant leadership. Romans 12, 7 describes this as one of the motivational gifts of the Spirit, which means you are motivated, you are led, you are designed to lead in this particular way. Maybe, maybe just to think about it this way, not everyone thinks like you, right? So when you see a room and you see, let's just use the example of this afternoon, you see chairs, you're thinking, who's moving these chairs, Right? You know what? Not everyone else thinks that way, right? The intercessors are out there. They're thinking, okay, what demons are over these chairs? So I'm <laughs> right? The evangelists, they're thinking about filling the chairs. Why would we ever put the chairs up, right? So we all have different perspectives just on something simple like a chair. And I love that the Del Cero Community Action Council meeting that Mike and others just immediately started picking up chairs at the end of the meeting. What a great example of a deacon. Well, how do you know your spiritual gifts? The Bible says we've been given different gifts according to the grace given for, to us in proportion to our faith. Three things I found in discovering my own spiritual gifts. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but just to share them with you. Manifestation, motivation, and ministry. Manifestation, motivation, and ministry. What do I mean by that? Manifestation, First Corinthians 12 says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to us for the common good. So one thing you might find is when you're in a life group or church setting, and different spiritual gifts or urges kind of are coming to your heart. Like you're noticing this person needs encouragement or this person needs help or, man, I have this desire to be generous to this person or does anyone here need healing? That's actually the, the manifestation of the Spirit being given to you to bless the community that you're a part of. Does that make sense? So sometimes we, we learn our spiritual gifts just because it just happens to us. We, of course, we, we have to have self-control, but in a sense, you can't control it. It's a grace gift. It's given to you. And um, it just naturally flows from us when we're in fellowship in Christian community. That's one way. Another way is motivation. Well, what does that mean? Motivation means you just have a strong desire to be used in a certain way. One of the funny things I'll find is sometimes people come to me and say, I have such a strong desire to hear from God in my dreams. Do I have that gift? Well, you have the desire. The desire is from God. So, of course, he's going to fulfill that desire. Does that make sense? Or, man, I really want to see people healed or helped in a certain way. Well, God's giving you that desire. So he's now he's calling you to 
respond and ask him and seek him in that area so you can walk out in that gift. So you have the manifestation, you have the motivation, and you have the ministry. What does that mean, the ministry? Well, if people are coming to you for a certain kind of ministry, it means you have that gift. <laughs> They're noticing it. Why does is, why is everyone always want counseling from me? Well, sorry, Dana. You know, it's just the fact of the matter is you have that combination of gifts, right? Or, you know, Blair, he's got more disciples than he can throw a shoe at. Or I, I don't know where that phrase came up. I was just stuck on that guy. You throw shoes at him all the time. Praise God. So, uh, um, so, but people feel that gift of shepherding in his life, so they come to him for that ministry. So, so another example might be if you're leading something and you're presented with a ministry need, of course, that means the gift to help with that need. So, three ways of discovering your spiritual gifts manifestation, motivation, and ministry. And then, of course, you have the first Corinthians 12 gifts of the Spirit, which you're probably familiar with because we've taught on them often at this church. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation, and miracles. And then, of course, the Bible commands us in 1 Corinthians 14 to follow the way of agape love and especially desire the gift of prophecy. And I would just encourage you, in your work as a deacon, maybe to pose this challenge to yourself. Is there a way that I could incorporate my work as a deacon into these other gifts of the Holy Spirit? As you're, as you're out, you know, buying groceries for somebody, that, that was mentioned, you know. Maybe there's also a prophetic message that God would give that person, or maybe the cashier. Hey, I'm actually out here blessing people buying groceries. You know, how can I minister to you today? You're looking for opportunities to pray for healing, or you're operating in that gift of discernment. One of the things you're going to need if you're working with needy people is wisdom, right? <clears throat> because needs are ever never ending. Jesus said the poor we'd always have with us, and so you're going to need to be asking God for that gift of wisdom to know how to administrate the different resources we have and help people with their needs. Amen? So I encourage you to be asking God for those different gifts and experimenting with coupling them with your gifts of service or deaconomy, okay? So so here's just something I was thinking about. I looked up that word about the word that's used for deacon, and I thought, where are some other examples of that? In the Bible, this is just a list here. Actually, our church is doing most of these, so that's pretty encouraging. Distribution to the poor, actually, that's the context of Acts chapter 6, which Eli read for us. Okay, relief and disaster relief. So that word is mentioned there. And Acts 11, so that's great. Um, short-term mission of Paul and Barnabas, and their short-term mission that they went on, this word is used in that context. Of Paul's acceptance of financial gifts from Rome to Jerusalem. So raising money for a need, distributing funds according to that need, and helping the needy people of Jerusalem. That was an example of the deaconing gift in service in the early church. Uh, the ministry of hospitality, so having people in your home and welcoming them and serving them and blessing them, that's a, that's a form of deaconing. That's a form of welcoming people into God's community. And maybe you're not meeting a big physical need at that time, but that can be a huge emotional need for people, can't it, right? Um, reconciliation and conflict resolution. The Bible says we have a ministry of reconciliation. You know the word is we have a beacon of reconciliation. So one thing you might find is, you know, there might be people in the church that have relational needs and you might need to refer them to a pastor or maybe you'll help them. Or maybe there's a freedom ministry aspect to that. But that's an area of deaconing in the Bible that's very important. 
And then finally, evangelism as well. There's a form of evangelism that we do when we're practically helping people, showing them our good works. We see that in food distribution outreach, right? So these are just some biblical examples of how the gift of deepening is used. This is what I want to close with for you. This is a little, a little chart. Remember, Romans chapter 12 says we should deacon according to the faith given to us, right? You guys remember when I just said that a minute ago? Okay, so I was thinking about it. And so according to the faith, we can have high faith or low faith. And then we can also be in service. We can have a high emphasis on service in our life or a low emphasis on service in our life. What categories would those put us in? For example, when Jesus rebuked Martha, do you know what he said? Stop deaconing so much. That's what he told her. He used that word, okay? And so uh, that's actually the first instance of that word in the Bible. And I thought, that's pretty interesting. And you know what? He wasn't correcting her action. He was correcting her attitude. And so she would have fallen here in this category of high service, but low faith. That's not where you want to be as a leader. Like I mentioned earlier, the needs are endless. And so if you operate in high service, trying to please everybody, but you're not filling up your spiritual faith tank, eventually you're going to burn out and you're going to be ineffective. And so that's just something I want to point out to all of us as we try to serve God's people. If you have low faith and low service, you're, you're probably just needing to grow and mature, right? That's why the Bible says a deacon should be tested, right? So we don't want to have, we, first of all, we need to have high faith. We, and I don't mean faith just as in like this belief that God could do the impossible, but just, you know, a, a sense of intimacy and walking with God and abiding with him because John 15 says apart from him, we can do nothing. And then an emphasis on service for others shows an outward focus and a desire to grow in the Christian life. So that would be immature response would have low faith and a low service. Up in the uh, top left-hand corner, sometimes God calls us to increase our faith and we're yet in service. Or we're taking a break from service. And that is what I would call recovery mode, right? Sometimes we do need to go in recovery mode, right? We need to continue to work on our relationship with God, but we need to maybe take a step back for a season of certain kinds of ministry. That could be okay, right? But we don't want to stay there, right? So there's plenty of opportunities for service, right? So it's important for us sometimes to know when we need to retreat and get in recovery mode, but obviously, like, the kingdom of God is advancing and we want to be part of it. So that brings us to high faith, high service, okay? Effective and sustainable deacon. Effective and sustainable serving. So I guess the main takeaway that I wanted to share with you was a couple things. First of all, the gift of deaconing can have many different expressions, as you see here at the bottom of your sheet. Number two, I would encourage you, as you grow in your faith, as you grow in your gift, couple your times of deacon service with other spiritual gifts. Use that time for evangelism or encouragement or to pray for someone, to see what the Lord does with that. And then finally, I just want to encourage you to keep your emphasis on your spiritual growth and your faith high so you don't burn out but you remain effective.